This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When the ice breaks, when the hot shake in the town and the moxie in the winter, the end of my love for now and you spent your summer. The date, September 6th to September 12th. 1970. Welcome to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast, and I'm your host, Rick Cole. Each week, we take you on a trip down memory lane, back 50 years, and we report on the hockey and sporting news from that time period. This week, NHL training camps open during the week of September 6th to 12th. Our podcast is made possible by the support of our two sponsors. Newspapers.com is the largest online newspaper archive on the planet, and their support is crucial to the research we do to bring you this news. The Breakwall Brewing Company, located in beautiful downtown Port Colborne, Ontario, also sponsors us, and they help us out quite a bit with all the logistics when we do our various interviews and a lot of our other research. The Breakwall has some of the finest craft beers in Ontario and some of the best pub food on the planet. And we also like to remind folks about our new Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash hockey50years. It's a way for you to support our, our broadcasts each week and uh, to access some very special content that we'll be planning during the hockey season coming up. It's uh, only $5 a month and we believe we provide pretty fair value for that money. Check it out again at www.patreon.com. Dot com. Last week, we had a, a few interesting stories that we brought to you. Uh, one out of the NHL, and we wish we could have gotten a little more into it. Uh, sources on this are very slim 50 years later. But the National Hockey League, through President Clarence Campbell, confirmed that two unidentified NHL stars were found to have ties to organized crime, specifically the Mafia. Nothing much ever came of that. The Maple Leafs traded veteran star Bobby Pulford to the Los Angeles Kings for a pair of 23-year-old forwards. Do you remember the names? Not many people do 50 years later. And Boston Bruins defenseman Ted Green was found not guilty in his assault trial arising from that stick-swinging duel that took place a year ago last fall in an exhibition game in Ottawa, Ontario. This week as National Hockey League training camps open, there is just so much news it was hard to actually filter out just what we'd bring you and what we wouldn't because we just don't have the time. This time around though we'll learn about a budding young National Hockey League superstar joining the ranks of hockey players who were injured on the water during the offseason but this isn't quite what you would think. We'll have an up-close look at the new Maple Leaf goalie, the ancient yet still effective Jacques Plante, traded to the Leafs during this offseason, and the Montreal Canadiens will name an assistant coach. And we wonder, should Claude Ruel, the head coach, be worried? 
Who knows? On a, on a personal note, 50 years ago this week, I was leaving home for the very first time as I journeyed to the University of Western Ontario to begin studying in their journalism program. That's right. I was taking journalism uh, back then. I wanted to be a sports writer, and I figured this was the way to get there. It was, for me, the first time I'd really been away from home for more than uh, a few days to a week, and it was a very confusing, overwhelming experience. And as I look at the hockey news from back then, I was far too engaged in getting to know my new surroundings to really follow the hockey news. There was a lot going on. And uh, reading all this this week and doing the research brought back a lot of memories. So there's a few personal things here that uh, really meant a lot to me as time goes on. And uh, we'll start off this week with the news and notes that came from around the NHL in that week uh, in September 1970. Jack Barry of the Detroit Free Press reported that four National Hockey League teams will wear colored skates this season. Barry says they are the Los Angeles Kings, his Detroit Red Wings, Jack works for the Free Press in Detroit, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and of course, the Oakland Seals. The Seals owner, Charles O. Finley, wanted white boots for his team, but TV executives cautioned him that the white would not provide enough contrast with the ice color on the TV screens, so Charlie settled for yellow footwear or has he preferred to call it Fort Knox Gold? The New York Rangers opened their training camp in Kitchener, Ontario on Friday with 33 forwards, 22 defensemen, and 8 goalkeepers on hand. An interesting stat that Gerald Eskenazi of the New York Times brought up about the Rangers as they go into this season. They are the only National Hockey League team to have qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs in each of the previous four seasons. Who knew? The Boston Bruins camp got underway in London, Ontario on Thursday and the question that seemed to be on everyone's mind was what kind of trouble the Bruins would encounter in getting star center Derek Sanderson under contract. A lot of people wondered whether Derek would even show up on time for the start of camp given, of course, that he was unsigned. Well, they got their answer on Thursday when everyone who was expected to arrive did so. But there were four veterans who were conspicuous by their absence, but none of those were actually expected to be there the first day, except for Dallas Smith. That's right, Dallas Smith was one that didn't show up. The other three were Eddie Westfall, John Busick, and of course, Sanderson. Bruins' new coach, Tom Johnson, was said to be unconcerned over the four, given that the new National Hockey League Players Association and NHL agreement uh, unsigned players are now given the option to participate in workouts at their own discretion and the discretion these four were exercising seemed to be that they weren't going to take part. Actually Busick's lateness wasn't at all a surprise given uh, that he sustained some serious knee lacerations in a boating accident a few weeks ago in BC. General Manager Milt Schmidt said that he spoke to the chief and the chief told him that his doctor recommended staying home for a few more days to let the the wounds uh, heal a bit uh, more solidly. 
Schmidt also said that he expected Sanderson and Westfall to show up by the weekend, but he didn't know what was going on with Smith, and as it turned out, Sanderson breezed into camp late on Friday, making a typical Derek Sanderson grand entrance as one that expect. The unsigned Sanderson actually said all the right words, even though he's uh, going to be engaged in a pretty uh, difficult contract negotiation with the Bruins. Derek said, I'm here to work all the way. I've missed training camp before, and I know what that means. I really, really want to be ready to play. On his contract negotiations, he said, I'm not asking for anything fantastic, just what I deserve. Any guessing at a figure you might have read didn't come from me. I've never mentioned a thing to anyone. I leave that to my attorney. Derek's attorney, of course, is Bob Wolf of Boston, who is getting into uh, representing a, a number of athletes now these days. It's reported that the Boston offer to Sanderson was $60,000 a year and that he turned that figure down, but no one is confirming that on either side. I'm sure there's going to be lots more uh, news about Derek Sanderson in the coming weeks, so stay tuned on this one. You know what, Derek, nothing's going to be uh, common and nothing's going to be easy. The Bruins are going to ice basically the same team as last season with only two players missing, and they are Jim Lorenz, who was traded to St. Louis for a first-round draft pick, and defenseman Gary Doak, who was the first pick by the Vancouver Canucks in the expansion draft. There are some very promising rookies who are ready to jump into the breach in the Bruins camp, including the two first-round picks, Reggie Leach and Rick McLeish. Doke's spot in the Boston lineup is expected to be filled by terrible Teddy Green, who looks to be in fantastic shape already and ready to resume his National Hockey League career after missing all of last season with a fractured skull. And we have National Hockey League news from Winnipeg, Manitoba. No, the uh, city of Winnipeg's not getting an expansion franchise. The Minnesota North Stars are holding their training camp in that unusual location this time around. Uh, the most striking fact around the North Stars was that no less than seven prominent players are former Montreal Canadiens. Of course, if you uh, remember the expansion draft in 1967 and recent summer meetings, it seems that Ren Blair, the North Stars general manager, and Montreal Canadiens uh, GM Sam Pollock were constantly making convoluted, complicated trades, and that's resulted in these seven players being with the North Stars. They are goalies, Gump Worsley and Cesar Maniego, defenseman Ted Harris, and forwards Danny Grant, Danny O'Shea, Jude Druin, and Bobby Russo. The question for Ren Blair, of course, has to be, would these uh, guys from Montreal bring the Habs proud tradition of winning, or they more reflect the losing attitude from last season's Montreal team? That remains to be seen. Maniego said he was really excited about partnering with Gump Worsley as the Stars' goalkeeping tandem this season. Maniego says Worsley has reported the training camp in great shape and with tongue firmly planted in cheek. Uh, Maniego says the Gumper has lost about one and a half pounds this year. 
Caesar, by the way, signed a two-year deal with the North Stars just as training camp opened. North Stars have a new coach. His name is Jackie Gordon, and he says that at the beginning, the Stars will go with two-a-day workouts, and he said there will be an 11 a.m. curfew. I'm sure Jackie meant 11 p.m., but he was a bit misquoted by one of the Minneapolis newspapers. North Stars will also have a bit of a new uh, look for their TV broadcast this season with the news that Hal Kelly, who is the brother of the St. Louis Blues fine broadcaster Dan Kelly, will take over the play-by-play duties on WTCN-TV Channel 11 in Minneapolis. Joining him to provide the color commentary will be Joe Boyle, who is the assistant sports director at that TV station. On the eve of their training camp opening in Brantford, Ontario, the Pittsburgh Penguins announced that they had acquired 6-foot, 195-pound left-winger Robin Burns from the Montreal Canadiens in a straight cash deal. Burns is a sort of truculent, good-sized left-winger who played for the American Hockey League Montreal Voyagers last season. He had 13 goals, 7 assists for 20 points. The Penguins also announced the signing of veteran defenseman Bob Blackburn at the same time. Bob played with the Penguins last year, appearing in 60 games. One player the Penguins won't have uh, at training camp opening, but had hoped would make a difference this year, is a center by the name of Rick Kessel. Kessel broke an ankle water skiing this summer and just had the cast removed this week. General manager coach Red Kelly figures that this injury has cost Kessel a shot with the big league club, but the youngster insists that he's going to be on the ice before the NHL season starts and he's going to give it his best shot to make the team, but realistically, he's probably going to be with Amarillo in the Central Hockey League. This was, of course, a huge opportunity lost for Kessel with that center slot vacated by Michelle Briere open for the taking by anybody who has a hot training camp. Briere, by the way, remains in a coma in a Montreal hospital where he has been since being injured in a car accident on May 15th. The Penguins have quietly begun planning for life without the talented young forward after conferring with his doctors at Notre Dame Hospital in Montreal. While the Vancouver Canucks had no difficulty signing number one pick uh, in the amateur draft, Dale Talon, the same cannot be said for their second round selection, defenseman Jimmy Hargraves. Hargraves is a Winnipeg uh, native, by the way, and he's not happy with the money offered by Vancouver general manager Bud Poyle, and he's exercising his right to skip training camp until an agreement is reached. Hargraves notified the Canucks of his decision through his advisor, Gary Begg. Now, if that name sounds familiar to hockey fans, he played for the Canadian national team when Hargraves was there as well. They became good friends. Gary, by the way, is a Vancouver lawyer and will be representing Hargraves in any contract negotiations with the Canucks. Poyle, by the way, went to the press and said that he thinks Hargraves is getting bad advice from Begg and that the Canucks made a very fair offer to the 16th overall pick in the draft. Hargraves disagrees. He's only one of two absences from the the Canucks uh, Calgary training camp, by the way. The other was goalie Charlie Hodge. 
but Charlie was actually told by the team not to report to camp until September 19th. That's very strange. The reason for this, strange as it may seem, is that the team has six other goaltenders beside Charlie in camp. And since they know what Hodge, who's been around since Toby was a pup, they know what Hodge can do. They want to get a look at the other six candidates. Seems like a strange plans, but in 1970, well, times they are a-changing. The Canucks expansion cousins, the Buffalo Sabres, announced a signing this week that won't make much of a difference on the ice, but I can tell you this, it's going to please their fans nonetheless. The Sabres have retained CBC, should say former CBC hockey announcer, Ted Darling, to become the voice of the Sabres. Ted, who shared the mic with legendary Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin on Hockey Night in Canada the past few years, will now be the main play-by-play man for the Sabres radio and television broadcasts. There are none who are more professional than Ted Darling, and Sabre fans are going to have quality hockey broadcasts, if not quality hockey, to watch in the early days of the NHL franchise. The Sabres kicked off their training camp in Peterborough, Ontario, with general manager coach Punch Imlach proudly declaring that his new Buffalo club will make the playoffs in their first NHL season. But really, would you expect Punch to say anything less? Imlach says that when the Red Wings lost defenseman Carl Brewer to retirement last week, that opened the door for his expansion team. Imlach was reminded that he'll have to contend with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Vancouver Canucks as well for that final playoff spot in the Eastern Division, but Punch simply discounted any chance Toronto might have, saying, we'll beat the Leafs for a pastime every time. The Sabres will at least have some size and a familiar name in the Peterborough uh, workouts as they get underway. Former Chicago and National Hockey League defenseman Elmer Musfasco called Imlach begging for a chance to make the team and Imlach said he could come. But there are conditions uh, under which uh, Vasco is going to practice with the Sabres. He's checking in at a svelte 200 43 pounds and Imlach said for Vasco to make the team he's going to have to shed 30 pounds in 30 days good luck with that moose Imlach by the way got in a little hot water with the owners in Buffalo this week he was mildly admonished by the Knox brothers for an advertising stunt he pulled in Toronto Punch bought ad space in the Toronto newspapers, hawking Sabres season tickets right under the noses of the Maple Leafs. Imlach was ordered by the Knoxes to pull the ads and keep the ticket ads to Sabres home fans after they received complaints not only from the Maple Leafs, but from some other National Hockey League executives who didn't feel that Imlach's ploy was quite kosher. Now, a good number of Buffalo fans will be coming from Canada anyway, as hockey fans in Niagara, Hamilton, and even the Kitchener area are scooping up tickets. And I know that for sure because I was part of a group who purchased four seats in the lower blues at the odds for the Low Banks Volunteer Fire Department, whom my dad was chief. 
Well, I was away for most of this first Sabres season studying journalism at the University of Western Ontario. I did make it home for a few games during that first season, and uh, they are great memories for sure. Toronto Marlboros of the Ontario Hockey Association Junior A Series lost a coach and then gained a coach this week. Gus Bodner, a former NHLer who played for Toronto, Chicago, and Boston, resigned his position with the Marlies in order to take on the head coaching and general manager post with the Salt Lake Golden Eagles of the Western Hockey League. Even though the Eagles are the main farm team of the NHL Buffalo Sabres, the hire was done independently by Salt Lake City team owner Dan Meyer. Meyer said that there were complications in signing Gus, specifically in getting his release from the Toronto Maple Leafs organization who owned the Marlboros. Gus Bodner is well known for setting the National Hockey League record for the quickest first goal in an NHL career when he scored just 15 seconds into his first NHL shift on October 30th, 1943, when the Leafs were playing the New York Rangers. Gus played 667 National Hockey League games, scoring 142 goals. Uh, Gus, whose birth name is August Bednarchuk, uh, took over as head coach with the Marlies in the 65-66 season. Gus's replacement with the Marlies is Frank Bonello. Frank's full-time job, at least up until now, has been as a beef trader with Canada Packers. Recently, he was the manager of the affiliated Markham Junior B team in the Metro Toronto Junior B Hockey League. The Maple Leafs opened their training camp this week as well with some good news. Center Mike Walton, who is said to be considering holding out for a contract worth over $50,000, signed his 70-71 deal with the team. And while the exact yearly amount was not revealed, it's believed that if Walton achieves several agreed-upon milestones this season, he could make as much as $40,000. However, the Leafs have other contract worries to deal with. Defenseman Jim Dory is boycotting workouts and says he won't be on the ice, as is his right, until he has a new contract. General Manager Jim Gregory says that the differences with Dory are not large, and he feels a young defenseman will return to the fold quite soon. Gregory admitted that his major problem will be signing Toronto captain Davey Keon. Keon wants $125,000 a year, and the Maple Leafs are not willing to go anywhere near that total. Gregory said that the team offered Keon the best contract any Toronto player had ever received up until last year. And if you remember last year, that's when Tim Horton got 80 grand. And he said, We're not going any higher. Doesn't sound very good for Dave. Meanwhile, a player who has not even played a National Hockey League, let alone a professional game, uh, received a contract from the Maple Leafs this week, and it was, according to Alan Eagleson, the best contract I've ever known the Leafs to give an amateur. He is goaltender Murray McLaughlin, 22, who played college hockey with the University of Minnesota for the past few years. Murray can't uh, expect to be a regular in Toronto anytime soon. Veterans Bruce Gamble and newly acquired Jacques Plante will have those two spots all locked up for sure. 
Plant, by the way, is beginning his first season in Toronto. And uh, he arrived in camp expressing a lot of happiness to be uh, with the Leafs and displaying the enthusiasm usually reserved for raw rookies. Jake the Snake says he feels just like a rookie this fall. And he's hoping that at age 41, he's going to be able to play at least three and maybe four more years for the Leafs. Jock says that as much publicized allergy problems uh, dealing with the air pollution in Toronto will not affect him in the same way it had in the past this season, usually when he was a visiting player with Montreal, New York, or St. Louis. Jock says, I gave up smoking cigars five a day a couple of months ago, and I'll live in the northern part of Metro Toronto. I think I can beat the problem. Leafs coach Johnny McClellan figures that Plant is worth at least five more victories to the team this season. We also have a bit more news on the income tax evasion charges that Toronto Maple Leafs President Stafford Smythe is facing at this very moment. Smythe's lawyer says his client will ask that the charges be thrown out of court based on a violation of the Canadian Bill of Rights. Smythe is charged with evading paying taxes on $278,000 worth of income between 1964 and 1967. Smythe's lawyer, J.J. Robinette of Toronto, says that a section of the Income Tax Act conflicts with the Bill of Rights guarantee of due process and equal treatment under the law. Seems like a pretty weak defense given how long these statutes have been in place and how routine these prosecutions usually are. It seems more like grasping at straws. But just remember, in cases of a criminal culpability, when you can't argue against the facts, then you gotta attack the process. Robinette was asked about similar charges Smythe's partner in crime, Harold Ballard, is facing, and he told reporters he's unable to comment because he doesn't exactly know what Ballard's situation is. Another possible holdout to tell you about is in the Chicago Blackhawks camp, where goalie Tony Esposito, last season's rookie goaltending sensation, hasn't signed a contract and it sounds like he's looking for $50,000 a year. Lawyer Al Eagleson says that the Hawks are not willing to pay the second-year netminder anywhere near that sum, so he's not showing up for camp. You may remember a previous uh, podcast. We told you about defenseman uh, of the LA Kings, Larry Cahan, getting charged with uh, driving under suspension in Vancouver. Well, Larry had that charge thrown out of court this week. Now, if you remember, he'd been stopped for erratic driving by the Vancouver police and was released with a warning from the cops not to drive again that evening. And they said they suspended his license in the process. He was then arrested a short while later when he's seen driving again. Cahan pleaded not guilty to the charge and said he didn't realize that a license was suspended because he hadn't been charged with any offense and he hadn't been taken to jail. The judge in the case bought that excuse. Kings owner Jack Kent Cook, by the way, decided not to trust general manager coach Larry Regan with the uh, contract negotiations with newly acquired veteran Bob Pulford. Uh, he opted to take over the contract talks himself, 
Pulford and Cook met for about five hours, a couple days after Pulley was acquired by the Kings in the trade with the Leafs. And uh, Cook gave Pulford what he describes as a very generous contract offer. But Bob, as of uh, the time of this podcast, hadn't quite signed on the dotted line yet. The Kings were slated to open their training camp in Victoria, B.C., and they wanted to have 62 players on hand. One of those players is not going to be star center Eddie Joyal. Joyal is accusing the Kings of a breach of contract and simply declared himself to now be a free agent because they had not paid him a bonus upon which they had agreed before last season. Joyal, through a lawyer not named Alan Eagleson, said the Kings failed to pay him a $1,000 bonus if he had a good season in 69-70. Now, Eddie missed 16 games last year due to injury, but he still scored 18 goals, which was third best on the team. That, says his lawyer, Charles Abrams of Los Angeles, constitutes a, quote, good season by any NHL standards. Abrams says that Section 12 of the National Hockey League player contract provides that the contract may be terminated if the NHL team is in default of payments due the player provided in Section 1 of the contract. That, quote, good season clause is in Joyal's pact. According to Section 12, if the payment's not made and the player notifies the team of same, the contract's nullified and all obligations to the team are null and void, making Eddie Joyal a free agent, according to Abrams. We'll see how the NHL feels about this one. And we'll have to see what constitutes a, quote, good season. The American Hockey League is returning to Philadelphia for the first time in 22 years. No, they're not putting a franchise in Philadelphia, at least not yet. But the Quebec Aces American Hockey League Farm Club of the Flyers are going to play at least three regular season games at the Spectrum in Philadelphia this year. Flyers general manager Keith Allen also announced that the team will have what he describes as a limited working agreement with the Western Hockey League San Diego Gulls. The Flyers had previously been working with the Seattle Totems, but the New York Rangers moved their main farm team to Seattle this year, so the Flyers had to find another venue in the West, and it's going to be San Diego. I can imagine any any player farmed out by the Flyers would much rather go to San Diego than Quebec City. And the hockey world lost one of its all-time greats this week. A side Denony, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame and a four-time Stanley Cup winner with Ottawa between 1919 and 1927, passed away in the city of Ottawa at the age of 78. Cy, who possessed one of the most accurate shots in hockey during his time of playing, and perhaps in, in all of hockey history, scored 246 goals in 11 National Hockey League seasons, 10 of them with Ottawa. Cy was also the first player that we know of that experimented with a curved blade when he would steam his stick to bend the blade to put a little more, shall we say, English on the shots. There are those who say Cy 
perfected the art of curving a shot, although we've never been able to really confirm that story. Some news from the Montreal Canadiens this week. They announced that they would employ an assistant coach to work on the bench with head coach Claude Ruel this season. Uh, This is something that's fairly new to the NHL, not unheard of, but uh, it has been done before. Names such as players Claude Provo and Jean Beliveau were floated as men who were being considered for the job, but instead the Habs appointed a retired player who already has some coaching experience. That man is Al McNeil. He was unveiled as the first assistant coach in Habs history. He's been working in the Montreal system for the last couple of years as a player coach after retiring uh, after his final NHL season in 1967-68 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Montreal General Manager Sam Pollock says this innovation will soon be standard practice in the NHL within a few years. Sam says 35-year-old McNeil will act as a full-time assistant and will be on the bench with Ruel this season. Pollock said the idea of an assistant coach is not new, but it will be a complete idea within a few years. Pollock also made the announcement that Ron Caron, who had been considered for this job, has been rehired as general manager of the Voyagers of the American Hockey League, and he will assume McNeil's previous coaching position with that club. Al McNeil had a long career in the NHL with Toronto, Chicago, New York, and Pittsburgh. He began with the Maple Leafs playing one game in the 1955 56 season. There's a lot of news from the Detroit Red Wings as they open their training camp on Thursday in Port Huron, Michigan. It seems there's a lot of distractions actually actually taking away from the first National Hockey League coaching job for former college coach Ned Harkness. While he could be a victim of circumstances, a lot of the distractions that Harkness is going to have to deal with have been created by uh, Ned Harkness. Early in the summer, some pictures from the Calgary Stampede surfaced showing young superstar Gary Unger with long hair and a mustache. It was learned Harkness, known as a strict disciplinarian in his college career, was very unhappy with Unger's mod look, and he planned on having words with the young superstar center when he arrived in training camp and getting him looking like a professional or like a college guy. I don't know which with Harkness. Well, this week it was learned that Harkness might have to just do without Unger altogether right into October when the National Hockey League season gets underway. And it won't be because of any discipline issues. Unger, on the Monday evening before opening of training camp, was staying at a motel in Dearborn, Michigan, and he suffered severe contusions and bruises to his lower left back in what was described as a freak diving incident. Another freak incident dealing with water. The Red Wings team physician, Dr. John Finley, told Jim McKay of the Windsor Star that Unger likely won't be ready to play hockey for four to six weeks. Finley said that while there's no direct damage to the vertebrae or the spine, there is serious muscle damage that Unger incurred. He described it 
as very similar to a severe Charlie horse, only to the back. Gary has been fitted with one of those big corset-like braces, and he'll have to wear it until the pain, which is considerable, subsides. Dr. Finley says that Unger should be able to start light skating in about three weeks. Up until this news, the main flap around Harkness's plans for the Red Wings this season was his announced intention to move Gordy Howe from right wing, where he's had a Hall of Fame career, back to the blue line. A lot of uh, observers discounted this as a new coach's attempt to create some interest in his team, but Harkness doubled down on that notion when it was learned last week that all-star defenseman Carl Brewer was leaving the team with retirement as he was taking a position in private business. Harkness said, yeah, we're definitely going to attempt this move in training camp. Uh, and he said uh, a dozen or more times, actually, in fact, since the official opening camp was nothing more than press day. I don't know if it will work out or not, Harkness claimed, but I want to see it attempted, and Gordy is willing to give it a good try. This seems to be a pretty big risk to take with moving the greatest player in National Hockey League history to an unfamiliar position at age 42. But a lot of people see it as a move that could possibly extend the career of uh, one of hockey's best players beyond age 42. Here's what Gordy had to say about the move and also about how his surgically repaired wrist is doing as training camp opened. Gordy said... Ned wants me to try it, and I said I would, if only to find out what's easier. And what about the wrist? Well, he said a month ago it hurt like hell to shoot a puck, but today it's not so bad. I think it'll be all right. I even shot one left-handed today, and I haven't done that in two years. As everyone knows, Gordy Howe is a right-handed shot, but was famous for years during his career of being able to, in mid-stride and mid-play, switch to the left and get off a very good shot, and Gordy did score a few goals that way. Gordy's going to be, have a very interesting roommate in training camp this fall as well. The Wings are ha planning on having Gordy room with uh, young right winger Tom Webster, who was acquired in June from the new Buffalo Sabres in the deal that sent Roger Crozier, their goalkeeper, to Buffalo. This will be quite a thrill for Webster, who says that Gordy has always been his hockey idol. Talk about being starstruck. Another note from the Red Wings camp, with Roger Crozier having been traded to Buffalo to get Webster, that leaves Roy Edwards as the undisputed number one man between the pipes for Detroit. Despite that, Roy plans on still wearing number 30 this year instead of donning the traditional number one that goalkeepers have worn for so many years. Roy Edwards' backup this year could be young Jimmy Rutherford, who was drafted from the Ontario Hockey Association, Junior A, Hamilton Red Wings. But there are a couple of other candidates who will be vying for that backup position to Roy, and they will be Don Smokey McLeod, a goalie out of Western Canada, and another former Hamilton Junior, Jerry Gray. And one other note from the Red Wings as we uh, wind down our news for this week. 
The Detroit team announced a new working agreement and it is with the Port Huron Flags of the International Hockey League. And of course, that's where the team is holding its training camp this fall, not far from Detroit. But the International Hockey League is more described these days as sort of professional, sort of amateur, not really semi-pro, not really amateur. But the International Hockey League is maybe a notch above the Eastern League. But they're falling on hard times as many minor pro leagues are these days. And we'll just have to see how the International League agreement works out with the Red Wings. And that is our news this week. We're going to have more again next week. But what did we learn this time around? Well, we learned about the various issues and stories emerging as the NHL teams open training camp across America, and there'll be even more next time. We learned that another young National Hockey League star, the Red Wings' Gary Unger, has injured himself while frolicking on the water, although it wasn't quite during the summer. It was actually just a couple days before training camp opened at a hotel that Unger was staying at to get used to the Detroit area. And we learned the identity of the latest hockey innovation by Montreal Canadiens, the assistant coach, and he is Al McNeil, who agreed to take on the position with the Habs. It did leave us wondering, though, was this a succession plan to assure a ready successor would be available? Should Coach Ruel not be able to restore the Canadiens to the usual playoff position? Don't forget... Montreal, for the first time in almost forever, missed the playoffs last year, and Hab fans will not stand for a repeat performance this time around. If things aren't looking good, or if Ruel continues to lose the support of veterans like Henry Richard, Al McNeil could be ready to step into the breach. So next week with training camps in full swing, we're going to have a lot of news for you on those fronts. Uh, we'll learn a bit about Bruins defenseman Ted Green. He's going to talk about how he's feeling as he attempts to return to the NHL after missing last of uh, last season with that fractured skull. We're going to find out that there's a lot of injuries taking their toll at National Hockey League training camps. And we'll have all the names of players that are experiencing various hurts as the workouts get fully underway. you got to remember, in 1970, players did not work out all summer the way they do now. Hockey was a winter job, not a summer job. Many of them, because of the low salaries NHL players made, had to work at jobs instead of working at hockey. We're also going to talk about a few rookies who, in their early performances in training camp, are serving notice that they're going to be in the mix for regular NHL jobs this season. And, of course, we're going to have much, much more. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole, and I can't thank him enough for all the work he does on this project. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto indie rock group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, presides our introduction and exit music, and if you ever get a chance to see them perform live, take advantage of it. They put on a really great high-energy show. Other musical pieces and sound effects in the podcast are produced by Andy Cole as well. Our research comes from files with the Toronto Star 
Toronto Global Mail, and of course, the many fine publications found at newspapers.com. You can find us on Twitter at AdHockey50Years, and of course, through your favorite podcast app. Uh, thanks again to everyone who tunes into our show. Uh, we have some exciting uh, new content that we'll be bringing out during this season, and it'll be available to folks who want to subscribe through our Patreon account for $5 a month. They'll include interviews and in-depth features on hockey issues that we'll all be familiar with from 50 years ago. Do not worry, though. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast like this will always be available for free to all our fans every Friday. Thanks once again, everyone, and we will see you next time.